Blackhawks Live. It always helps when you win. Go Blackhawks! That's hockey, baby! From the downtown studios of WGN Radio, it's time for Blackhawks Live. Let's pull back the curtain, go behind the scenes of your favorite hockey team. That's what we're here for, guys, to win. Blackhawks Live, presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive with Kane and Taves Drive. Here's Chris Bowden and Nick Gismondi. Do we have enough stuff to talk about here this week? Welcome into Blackhawks Live, presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive with Kane and Taves Drive. I'm Chris Bowden, your pre- and post-game host on 720 WGN. As always, joined by the man that the Athletic calls the most optimistic of people. <laughs> Nick is money. I, I, maybe I should go. I think I describe you as effervescent. Maybe you're, you're like, like a cold soda pop on a hot sweltering day, Nick. I, I uh, like that. All right, yeah, I'll go with that. The effervescent That's good. Nick is uh, <laughs> So uh, a, a ton of stuff to talk about. We'll be joined in a couple of moments here by the president of hockey operations and general manager Stan Bowman. Get our first visit with him on this show. But uh, okay, so optimistic. How optimistic mm-hmm. are you after? The three games against the Tampa Bay Lightning, the defending Stanley Cup champions. Man, what a roller coaster ride. The Blackhawks go 1-1-1 one, one, and one against the Bolts uh, over the course of the last four days. Yeah, and probably could have picked up a couple more points there, mm-hmm. actually. Uh, you, you know, I, I really like the way that this team played. And when you compare it and contrast it to what we saw for those first two games of the season when they were outscored by eight goals, it's, it is impressive to me. So I, I like the way that this team responded. I, I like the get up and go. I, I think that, yes, I'm very optimistic at the way they played. And it tells me that, listen, if that was a seven-game series, uh, you know, who knows what happens there, right? But um, I think there's room for them to improve. Certainly, we obviously see that there, there are going to be growing pains. There are going to be teachable learning moments throughout all of this this season. But the good certainly outweighs the bad. And my good friend Scott Powers did put it right. I am constantly <laughs> and uh, overly optimistic in everything I do. I read that article today. It's very nice of him to give me a little shout out there. But uh, yeah, listen, I'm very optimistic. I like the way I like the way they look right now, and I'm I'm excited for the next uh, the next two games, especially. And then you know, very much looking forward to the rematch with uh, with Florida and, and Coach Quinville. Yeah, it's a, it's a constant proving ground this season because now it's <laughs> off to a six game road trip. Jeez. Starts tomorrow in Dallas to there to in Florida. Over over the weekend, and then two once again against the Tampa Bay Lightning down uh, back in their barn. So a six-game roadie after this five-game homestead starting tomorrow night. And you can hear it all here on 720 WGN. We're going to take our first break here because coming up on the other side, we're pleased to be joined again by the President of Hockey Operations and General Manager Stan Bowman. You're listening to Blackhawks Live, presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive with Ken and Taves Drive on 720 WGN. He's an important player for us. I mean, you saw... In the second half of the season, you know, he was, I thought, one of the reasons why we started playing better uh, because he was improving and taking on a larger role. And then certainly in the bubble, he was one of our most important forwards. So uh, it's a big positive to get him out there. And uh, we, we feel uh, encouraged that uh, we're going to get him back at some point. That's Blackhawks head coach Jeremy Carlton earlier today discussing the return of Kirby Doc to join his teammates on the ice for the first time since wrist surgery earlier today at Fifth Third Arena, doing some uh, non-contact drills. He and uh, Dylan Strom working a little bit together as we welcome you back into Blackhawks Lab, presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive with Kane and Taves. Drive Chris Bowden along with Nick Gismondi. Gismondi. And uh, as uh, you know, the Blackhawks reached the halfway point of this uh, 56-game regular season. We thought it might be a good time to check in and assess things and get the thoughts from uh, the president of Hockey Operations and General Manager Stan Bowman, who joins us now from Dallas. Stan, good evening. Thanks for joining us. How are you tonight? 
Doing great, Chris. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Let's let's uh, start with Kirby because you know. Uh, Hawks fans, you know, they, they got super amped uh, seeing some of the, the news here today. But, you know, uh, Jeremy, I know, tried to, to rein in some of the excitement. But, you know, I, I guess people are doing the math uh, of the, the four-month timetable. Uh, the, the conservative, uh, you know, uh, timetable was from the late December surgery was late April, four months. And uh, we're sitting here at March 9th. I mean, is he crushing this recovery? Or, you know, I, I do keep in mind as I ask that, that, um, you know, conditioning and, uh, you know, the fact that uh, face-offs are a part of his job as well with that injury is, is certainly something to take into consideration. Yes, I, I, that's true. I think when I, I talked last about this, I said he's going to look ready to play much before he's ready to play. Uh, you know, you're just watching him. On the ice, he looks great, and you think he's ready to play tomorrow, but uh, but he's not. So uh, I think the important thing is just that he is going to get back playing at some point here. So that, that's the good news. When it will be, we don't really know that, and we don't have to figure that out now. I think just got to give him a chance to get back, get into the swing of the training and, you know, being on the ice. Like He has been on the ice a little bit already, but, you know, getting back now with uh, – the full group, not just skating by himself. So <clears throat> I think now that he can handle the puck and, you know, get used to his timing and that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, we're, we don't have a date on it. It's not going to be um, anytime real soon, but, you know, we, we think it's good that he's back with the group and um, just great to see him around and, you know, get him going, ramped up as soon as we can. Stan, always great chatting with you. Hope hope things are good in Dallas. Hope the trip was good today. But a little parlay, uh, or excuse me, a little segue from Doc is is the news of of Seabrook's retirement. But what an impact he had on on Kirby Doc. So a, a little bit of a two parter for you. Maybe talk to me a little bit about the impact of, of Brent Seabrook on this organization and what he's meant, uh, you know, to the city, to the team, to the organization, and the NHL as a whole. But also just how crucial he was in the development of, of Kirby Doc since you know Kirby lived with him and there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes there that certainly aided Kirby's transition into the national yeah I think going back to when Brent broke into the NHL uh, you know he had a great junior career and he was one of the few guys that came right to the NHL and as a young defenseman he was able to break in right away and uh, you know our teams weren't as strong his first year or two in the league uh, and I think in a way that probably helped Brent. He got an opportunity right away to play big minutes. And he and Dunk came in, uh, you know, as young players. And obviously they were the, the backbone of the team for so many years. And, uh, you know, I've always said going back to those Stanley Cup teams, we had some outstanding forwards. You go down, Hosa and Sharp, Caves, Kane, on down the line. And I think... Uh, one of the key overlooked things was how good our defense was at getting the puck to the forwards. We had some great passers, you know, and I think Seeds probably got overlooked at just how good he was as, as a transition player. Like he was an excellent at moving the puck to the forwards and got them, got them going. And, you know, obviously his defensive game was always strong. You know, he's a big, strong guy. He was able to, to play against the top forwards with his power and uh, his passing was, was underrated. So he did so many things for our team over the years, and you know he was just Mr. Reliable. He was always there and never got injured. He played through pain. 
he was a huge reason that we had so much success. So obviously it's tough that, uh, you know, he's not going to be playing anymore, but the other side of it is what you said there. You know, he's had a, a lasting impact on the franchise. You know, he was kind enough to mentor Kirby right away. He, he took him under his wing and, and showed him, you know, what it's like to be a professional. And uh, I think that's part of the life cycle moving forward is, is that next wave of players. And certainly Kirby is a, a big part of where we're headed in the coming years. And nobody better to learn from than Brent Seabrook. So I thought it was, it was great that they formed a friendship and they, uh, that, that Brent took the time to, to be a, a mentor to Kirby. So I think that'll benefit everybody going forward. Well, tomorrow night in Dallas, Patrick Kane joins uh, Brent in the uh, 1,000 Games Played Club, becomes the seventh Blackhawk to do so, and you know, you talk about durability with what Patrick has been able to do over a, over a, you know a, a thirteen fourteen year career because he has stayed remarkably healthy. But but how impressed have you been with the season he is having and, and the role he has played both on and and off the ice for this group? Yeah, it's been pretty special, Chris. I, I think you know I, I seem to say this every year, and I guess it gets <laughs> gets a little bit old, but. He seems to keep getting better, which is just it's amazing for somebody in their 30s now. But uh, I don't know that he's ever played as well as he's playing right now, even in his MVP-type seasons. Um, you know, he's really stepped his game up. And, uh, you know, he's in a different role now as kind of the, the the veteran player on this team. And he's he's taken it to heart not only with how he's doing in his own game, but just his his mentorship as well of our young players. We've got a lot of young guys here and it's pretty unique to see like how he's not only played well in his own game and gotten a lot of points and, you know, single-handedly won some games for us, but you know, his excitement level, his engagement, and he's leading the charge, um, trying to support the young players. You know, he's, he's got a rookie centerman, but, um, you know, and they're playing against really good players every night, but he's, you know, he's either had Kurashev or Suter in the middle most every game this year, and sometimes that's hard for young centers, but I think Patrick's done a really good job at uh, leading the way and making it easier on his teammates. So um, he's a very unique player to be keep getting better at, at, at his, not that he's old, but normally, you know, players' top years are you know, in their mid-20s to late-20s, and Patrick seems to be one of those rare exceptions where he just keeps getting better as he keeps getting older. Stan, about that halfway point in the season now, you guys sit at 13-8-5 with 31 points. You're fourth in that Discover Central. I guess just the impressions from you as we, we hit this mark. Obviously, if you ask pretty much anybody, the, the Blackhawks, at least in my opinion, exceeding expectations this season, but sort of what are your thoughts on on the development of this group? What are your thoughts on on where they've come from from day one in January to now here where we are at in the uh, the early days of March? Well, Nick, we, we've come a long way. I mean, the, the start the season and the way we did in, in Tampa, it was hard for our team. We had a lot of young players. We also had a lot of new players. So, you know, the first few games, you know, the results weren't great. Uh, but I think in a lot of ways you have to look at maybe from game five on when we, I felt like we, we finally got some rhythm to our game. You know, I think things sorted themselves out after those first couple of games. And we've had a more of a stable lineup 
going forward since game five or six. And I think uh, now this is closer to what we are. So uh, it, it t- took us some time to get going. Uh, but I think the, the biggest things to look at as far as the reasons that we've had success would be really good goaltending, um, really strong power play. And when you have those two elements, you're going to be in almost every game. And, and I would say that's that's a great combination. You know, if you if you're starting a, a team from scratch and you say we're going to have really strong goalies and we're going to have a good power play, um, then at that point there's other things you need to have success. But um, that can get you, you know, uh, a good way of there being a successful team. So I think we've seen that, uh, and now you know we're halfway through the season, so. We do have a lot of rookies, but you know they've played a half a season now. So I think the the newness of everything wears off, and now it's you know trying to sustain it. So I think we've we've shown that we can be a competitive team, and now in the second half of the year, Vic, it's only going to get more difficult. So we have to continue to to answer the challenge and rise to the occasion as we go forward. We you know we like our group, though I think. We talked about it early in the year and even in the off season before the year started. We wanted to be a relentless team. We wanted to have that um, never-ending work ethic to to keep us engaged in the game. And I think if you look back at our start, nearly every game we've we've brought that. Um, and it's, I guess it's something you you strive for is to have that relentless approach. And I think um, having some new players who are hungry to prove that they're NHL players, that they, they bring it every night, and they can sometimes inspire the rest of the group. So I think we really do have, you know, a pretty good understanding of what we are and how we can win, and now it's a matter of getting out there and executing night after night. Is there anything specifically you learned about this team uh, over the last three games against the defending champs? Well, I, I think to build on what I just said, you know, certainly we were right there um, in each game. And you know, the first game was a tough ending for us, but I thought we rebounded in that second game. And then, you know, yesterday's game is a really good indication where I thought for, you know, certainly the first 23 to 24 minutes, we were excellent. We didn't give them anything. But credit to Tampa, you know, they're they're a really good team. And, once they they scored that first goal, it's almost like they they took the game over, and that's where you know that's something we have to be able to match, and we have to find a way moving forward to you know when we have a game within our grasp, and the other team starts to push, we have to be able to to stop the bleeding, and you know we couldn't really figure that out yesterday. Certainly, you have to acknowledge. Tampa's a great team. I mean, they're champions for a reason, and we want to get to that level. And we're we're not quite there, obviously. But um, I think we showed when we're when we're doing what we want to do, we can dictate the game, even against the, the best team in the league. But um, but that's a, they're at a different level right now, and that's something you know they showed us what it takes. And uh, you know, I think we know it's within reach, um, but we're not quite there yet as far as being able to do it all the time. Stan, a lot, a lot is 
will be analyzed about where the success of this group came from. I, I've said it publicly a couple of times. I saw this, and, and, and you and I have spoken, but I, I saw this build starting last year with with what Jeremy was trying to get this group to do, what what you were trying to build and to put in place. And now you hear guys start talking about buy-in, and you hear guys start talking about having fun and enjoying coming to the rink and you know shucking the naysayers off their backs a little bit and, and sort of feeding off of the, 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 the negativity at the start of the year how, how important are those elements that maybe isn't something that happens on the ice but that fun factor that buy-in factor that okay let's all do this together and you you know everybody ropes everybody rides you got everybody pulling and pushing in the same direction here that's true nick i think you know in a simplistic way winning is fun and winning is uh something that you can build on so it's certainly easier to have a good time when you're getting victories but i think what it shows us is there's a path for this team to be successful. And, you know, that's why you have to look more at what we're doing together as a team, as opposed to just the individuals on a piece of paper, because sometimes, you know, you can have a star studded team, but if your team doesn't come together and play their roles and accept their role and execute what they're asked to do, then your team may have a lot of talent, but they're not going to achieve what they need to. And I think, that's what I've liked about this group is everyone seems to understand how they can contribute and help the team. They embrace that and then they go forward and they do it. And it's not perfect. I mean, like we, we, we have moments where we, we don't nail it for the whole game, but I think we're seeing more and more games when we're doing it for a longer period of time. And, you know, I think looking back, we're in Dallas now starting uh, for tomorrow's game. I think that was the, those two games for me early in the year were pretty important. You know, we were coming off that homestand, um, you know, where we, we, we got a couple wins after the slow start in Florida. And, uh, and then we came to, to Dallas and we, we played well. I, I thought we played two really good games. I think that was kind of a springboard for us to, to really convince ourselves that we could do it. And, here we are again, you know, Dallas is a, they're an excellent team and they, they went to the final last year for a reason. So, you know, we have to be ready because these games aren't going to be easy. They've, you know, they've had a tough schedule where they've had a lot of games, um, you know, postponed because of COVID and their schedule has been shortened. And, uh, but I know that they're, they're a challenge. So I think these next two games, we have to be ready for them because uh, it'll be a test, but, you know, looking back to the last two times we were in Dallas, I thought we really played a good team game. I think we, you know, sometimes those games are low scoring and you have to be comfortable playing in those games when there's not a lot of chances, there's not a lot of goals, and you have to figure out a way to win low scoring games. And, um, you know, I think we showed that and that, that gave us some confidence moving forward. And I think we've kind of built on it ever since then. Well, uh, hopefully it's a it's a repeat uh, to, tomorrow night. These first couple games in Dallas to start this road trip, we've already kept you a little long. We only have about twenty more questions we wanted to ask you. We'll have to <laughs> we'll have to circle back to that uh, another time. Hopefully, just make him a co-host, right? Boss. Exactly. Come on, Stan can just stay the rest of the hour. I don't know if he wants that on his resume too. But uh, Stan, thanks so much for taking some time out here on this uh, Monday night. We we'll hope to catch up with you again sometime soon. And again, good luck on the trip. 
Okay. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. All right. Stan Bowman, the president of Hockey Operations, general manager of your Chicago Blackhawks, joining us here on Blackhawks Live, presented by Chevy Drive, Chicago.com. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. Time for a break. We'll check uh, some of the news headlines with Vic Vaughn. And Nick and I will be back to talk about a lot of uh, other stuff and react to some of what Stan said straight ahead on 720 WGN. Six, now five, in behind the net. Taves swings it around. Oh, and all the way down the ice it goes. For the third time in six seasons, it's one goal achieved. The Chicago Blackhawks win the Stanley Cup. The Blackhawks win the Stanley Cup. The Blackhawks win the Stanley Cup. The Chicago Blackhawks have won the Stanley Cup. Lord Stanley, the Blackhawks organization, along with the greatest fans in all of hockey, welcome you back to your new home, Chicago, Illinois, in the US of A. I think I'll never forget when uh, in 2015 when we got to win the cup at home and, and raise that cup for the first time uh, in front of our fans was uh, was incredible. The fans in Chicago have always been uh, amazing to us as a team and, and uh, amazing to me. You know, I always felt comfortable in the city and, and uh, you know, they pushed us hard. They, uh, they were hard on us. I think Chicago fans are um, hard on other sports teams, but, uh, you know, it definitely pushed us uh, to be great. You know that helped us get over the hump a lot of times, and and the uh, the emotion and the feedback we got from them was uh, was amazing, and and uh, yeah, I think that 15 cup in front of them, uh, raising that cup for the first time uh, in front of them was uh, was special. That's Brent Seabrook talking last Friday after he announced he's going to be unable to continue playing. And uh, all the best to Brent Seabrook for a marvelous, a, a fantastic. Career. Welcome back into Blackhawks Live, presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive with Kane and Taves Drive, along with Nick Gizmondi. I'm Chris Bowden, and uh, let's have a couple of thoughts here about Brent. We'll circle back to the Tampa Bay series, to this upcoming road trip, uh, to Kirby Doc, to Patrick as well, before we wind up here. But uh, stick taps to that guy, because a very underrated influence in the Blackhawks' success over the course of those three Stanley Cups in six years. And, you know, he talked about the 15-1, uh, the, the 15 Stanley Cup, being ha- having the opportunity to do to, to raise the cup in front of the home fans. But that 13-run, uh, very instrumental. Brett Seabrook had, had a huge stamp on that particular 2013 run, even though, uh, you know, uh, he wasn't the Conn Smythe winner. Uh, the, that one belonged to Patrick Kane during that particular run. But when you think back to the Blackhawks on the precipice in that second round series against Detroit, trailing 3-1, going into the box after Jonathan Taves had taken three consecutive penalties, <laughs> calming the captain down, and then to cap off that series with the overtime game winner, uh, that certainly uh, was was a crucial turning point in what had been a marvelous season, but was almost ready to fall into crumbles. And, and Brent Seabrook certainly had his stamp on that particular series. And the Blackhawks went uh, onward and upward to their second cup in three years. Yeah, well, guys like that can do that, right? Yep. I mean, that's that's a that's a major presence in the locker room. And I think that despite what he was able to do on the ice, one of the big things they're going to miss is is that veteran, that attitude, that that guy in the room. And, you know, Bodes, you, you were around him personally a lot longer, obviously, than I was. It's only my, my second year covering the team, but 
I'll be honest with you. He, he joked in his in his post uh, retirement press conference about giving the media a little bit of heckles here and there. That guy <laughs> scared the crap out of me when I'd have to interview him or ask him a question, <laughs> win or lose. It was like, I, yeah, I've been doing this a long time, but your heart just starts your heart starts going a little harder when you got to ask guys like him or Duncan Keith the question. <laughs> so, um, but he's he's obviously a, a massive a massive class act and a huge part of this organization. And listen, uh, all the best to him in retirement. He's going to go spend some time with his family back in Canada. And I would venture a very safe guess that we have not seen the last of, of, of Brent Seabrook uh, in and around uh, the city of Chicago and the Blackhawks organization. A real cool moment the other night uh, when he was in the suite and uh, the Blackhawks had a video tribute on the board and it wasn't just the Blackhawks players, it was the Tampa yep. Bay Lightning players staring up at him, giving stick taps and uh, yes if we uh, we know this Blackhawks organization once fans are back in, 100%. he'll be recognized, Patrick Kane's milestones will be recognized, I'm sure Corey Crawford will be recognized as well. <laughs> yeah, long list of inter- things there. Yeah, <laughs> in- interviews weren't Brent's cup of tea, you know, he was, he was all business but by the same token, uh, once he established that, you kind of knew it and he, he gave us his time here and there. And when he did, he was really good. And during that uh, in, uh, farewell press conference that he had on Friday. And, uh, yeah, just to clear, it's not officially a retirement since he's still under contract. So uh, the way they're phrasing it is just, just walking away from the game, being unable to play. Uh, the the official R word will come uh, certainly down the road. But, you know, dovetailing that into your follow-up question with Stan about Kirby Doc. Obviously, a lot of excitement. We'll see how the timeline ends up playing out. But whenever he does come back, whenever you know Dylan Strom comes back as well, mm-hmm. it certainly adds some flexibility, some maneuverability to make this a, a more offensively uh, dangerous team. And as Jeremy was alluding to in the one soundbite you heard a little bit earlier, he was alluding to the fact that it, it will be good uh, that this would not be a wasted season at all for Kirby Doc because of that injury. Again, the 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 conservative timeline originally was late April. We're sitting here on March 9th, and here he is skating once again. And hopefully, it's it's sooner rather than later for that kid. Yeah, and I think both what we've seen with Kirby Doc, especially last year into this year, the way that he committed himself during the the quarantine at the height of the pandemic when the season paused, and then through the summer, and then what he was initially flashing at, at World Juniors just shows the work ethic and the commitment that Kirby has towards being the hockey player that everybody's telling him he's going to be. So the fact that he was out there ripping around today, and I saw I saw the video footage, he looks great. Uh, I think Stan made a very good point uh, on the surface. Yes, uh, behind the scenes, nope, has some conditioning to get back in, has some strengthening to do on that wrist. Obviously, that's a big injury, but um, given what we've seen from him and given his commitment and his, his, his fortitude, I would expect that, that Kirby does hop a timeline. I mean, he's hopped a timeline in his development. Why would he not <laughs> you know, do everything he can to get himself back and hop that timeline on this injury? So only a positive if they can get him back into the lineup. Same with Strom. Same with the fingers crossed for Shaw. And, and, you know, obviously we have no new information. It's not like we're holding it. It's not like the Blackhawks are holding it back either. But, you know, hopefully Jonathan Taves is able to return at some point as well too. And and then the landscape exponentially changes. And it's pleasant problems to have for Jeremy Carlton and Stan. The Hawks are taking Kirby Doc on the trip with them so he can practice with them, train with them, uh, be around uh, the club as well to try and get his conditioning back. And uh, yeah, the big thing here is with that type of injury, he was kept away from contact during the drills today. You also have to think, as I brought up with Stan, 
face-off, such a crucial mm-hmm. part of his job, and you know, w- with the with the impact and the torque that everything is involved in, with a wrist that is certainly something sensitive to think about. With Kirby Doc, and also traveling with the team, by the way, Calvin DeHaan. He was back on the practice ice today after missing Sunday's game against Tampa Bay uh, after taking that uh, tough shot block in Friday night's game. But Calvin DeHaan back in the mix, and Jeremy Carlton also said that Connor Murphy will be available. No supplemental discipline from that hit on Ernie, Eric uh, Chernak. So uh, Blackhawks should have should have uh, a couple of veterans back in the lineup on the blue line tomorrow night when they open this road trip in Dallas. Time for another break here on Blackhawks Live, presented by Chevy Drive, Chicago.com. Drive with Kane and Taves. Drive some more business to take care of. A little more conversation between Nick and I on Patrick Kane. And again, looking back at the Tampa Bay series and forward to the six-game road trip straight ahead now on 720 WGN. He finds a way to to impact the game every night, you know, whether he's having his best night or he's, he's not having a great night. Uh, he finds a way to make a play. And, it's, you know, even when he's not having his best night, that's why you keep playing him because uh, he needs one chance and you can change the game. You really enjoy having guys with that competitiveness around. It helps to drive the team. Hmm, who can Jeremy be talking about right there? You, you that's a boat. He's clearly talking about Chris Bowden. <laughs> no, no, not by a long shot. Welcome right, to Blackhawks Live, presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive what Kane and Taves Drive as we prepare for. Unfortunately, it didn't happen at a home game because of the one postponement that happened a little bit a couple weeks ago in Carolina. But Patrick Kane will play in his 1,000th career game against the Dallas Stars. I meant to look this up, and I didn't. But I think Patrick Kane's best career numbers have come against the Dallas Stars. So maybe maybe it's fitting that he's going up against that particular team tomorrow night. But you know, as, as Stan mentioned, between him and Duncan, the way they have embraced, even though there were some rumblings about, you know, uh, unhappiness following some roster moves earlier in the off season, uh, uh, even if there was uh, momentary thoughts like this by by any of these guys, uh, they have certainly set that aside. If in fact that happened, and, and fully embraced what's going on, and it shows with the way the team is performing on the ice, and where when with the way both Kane and Keith are performing on the ice too, Nick. I mean, what a guy! What a, what a player! I'm just, you just look at his numbers: nine hundred ninety-nine games played, right? So obviously that thousandth coming, four hundred goals. We know six hundred and sixty assists, one thousand sixty points. Unreal! It's 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 unbelievable what this guy's accomplished. One hundred and ten goals on the power play. Art Ross, Ted Lindsay, Hart, Con Smite, <laughs> Calder, three Stanley Cups. I mean, for gosh sakes, and a, and a um, silver stick now. Yeah, a silver a stick, silver, a silver stick. And uh, but no, listen. I mean, I think what Jeremy said is important to understand about this guy. He finds a way. He finds a way. And I think that any young players out there that are listening. You know, you have to have that mentality, whether it's good or bad. You, you you have to trust your instincts. You have to trust your abilities. You have to dig in and, and do what's best for the team. And, and, and I think that Patrick Kane finds a way to reinvent himself. Not that he needs to reinvent himself, but he always finds a way to be that guy who's relevant. This year, they needed a guy that was going to take some things on his shoulder and trudge through and, and, and be the one that was sort of that leader, sort of that forefront guy. And rather than get down about maybe the situation at the start of the season and then, you know, the illness to, to Jonathan Taves and the injury to Kirby Doc, 
He pulled himself up by his brute straps, and he said, let's go. We're going to do this, and, and I guarantee that he is vocal in the room. And the reason why these young guys are being so successful right now has the fingerprints of Patrick Kane all over it. A couple more minutes here before we reach the finish line on the show, and I wanted to circle back to the series you know, against Tampa Bay. Uh, right there, you, you take him to extra time the first two games, and as Stan pointed out, you know, it's a, it's a one-goal game midway through the third period yesterday and um, another thing Stan mentioned and Troy mentions uh, during the course as, as we look for a little bit of perspective on that and I think everyone's you know still uh, encouraged by what we saw in those three games but it's about closing and recognizing those momentum changing moments in games uh, they rallied from a two nothing deficit once they they Blew two nothing and three nothing leads uh, during the course of that series. So you know when your opponents face an urgency to to counterattack, it's recognizing those moments. You know uh, sticking those blades uh, in the ice and and stiffening up. This team, I think, has great um, resiliency, uh, overall resiliency, and I think we'll even see that bouncing back from what happened yesterday. But it's those smaller moments of resiliency that are needed during the course of games. And, you know, that to me, Nick, is, is a series that you hopefully look back on a year or two down the line when this team is ready to contend for a division title once again. And you reflect back on that on lessons learned and how those were important steps, even though you didn't necessarily like the way they turned out. Well, yeah. When you have the opportunity to take the other team completely out of it, you have to do that. And it's it's sort of that old that old mentality of boot on the neck. You you don't want to give them an opportunity to jump up and get themselves back in it. And when you're playing against the the defending Stanley Cup champion, who really had little turnover, you have to expect that they do have that one last kick in them to to try to get themselves back to even. And we we saw that. So and, and listen, Jeremy Carlton has touched on that. Patrick Kane has been very vocal about that as well. That they need to have a little bit more of a killer instinct. They can't take off the gas pedal for whatever reason in that middle frame, and and it's 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 more of a mental thing than it is a fundamentals thing. You you just have to sort of get that, and and unfortunately for a lot of these young guys, that that is only something that's going to come with experience in the NHL. Now they've all played games at other leagues and at high levels, and they've all had those pressure moments, but it's amplified when you're playing it in the national, and and that was on display. So yes, teachable moment, learn from it, have that killer instinct when you have them down. Don't let them. Don't let them score four goals. Yeah, let's see if they uh, they can grow on that here in this uh, six game road trip that again starts mm-hmm. tomorrow night in Dallas. Moves on to Florida for games two against the Panthers and two against the Lightning. All right, Mister Optimistic, great job. Uh, we had enough stuff to talk about, and uh, let's do this again next week on Tuesday night since the Blackhawks have a game on Monday night. That's right. I will look forward to it, my friend. And uh, great job as you, uh, as always, do. And uh, thanks for having me. Again. Like likewise, hit him straight this week. Okay, I will. <laughs> uh, I will. below eighty. Nick Ismondi <laughs> joining us here on Blackhawks Live, presented by Chevy Drive, Chicago dot com. Drive with Ken and Taves. Drive back with a couple final thoughts to wrap things up next on seven twenty WGN. That's a wrap for this edition of Blackhawks Live, presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive with Kane and Taves Drive. Our thanks to Nick Ismondi. I'm Chris Bowden. Thanks as well, Blackhawks Media Relations, for setting up Stan Bowman with us. Thanks as well to our producer, Curtis Koch and Krista Flores. A reminder, next week's show is on Tuesday because the Hawks are in action Monday at Florida. So we'll talk to you next Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. 